to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alexander, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Why don't you give us a call? Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks all around the country and all around town. That's it. Things that happen in the South don't necessarily happen in the North. And vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We always enjoy hearing from you. So give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. Real easy. You just get to us and pop you up to the top of the list. Get anything answered you may have. There you go. I thought we'd talk a little bit. I still get a fair number of email each week on the topic of replacing parts preemptively okay sort of a maintenance replacing of certain parts and in some instances this makes a lot of sense sure in other instances probably not right and that causes confusion because most people they have to try to think this out and well it just depends on your circumstance what you're trying to do is to avoid risk as much as you can sure but minimize your costs at the same time. And those two are sort of diametrically opposed. Right. Generally, as risk goes up, cost goes down, and vice, vice versa. versa. You spend something to avoid something else. Well, you've avoided the risk, but you've spent the amount. So it's a dicey little balancing act. And so much of it is going to depend on your condition, your situations in life, and so on. Let's just take for instance, one thing that we've remarked several times on the show, and that's replacing a battery in a car before it fails. For instance, most batteries across the United States last somewhere around three years. 36 months. Yeah, possibly slightly less in the South because it's hot. But now, as soon as you say that, there's going to be someone who says, well, my battery lasted five years. Sure. Well, that's great. And let's say you are driving a long distance every day. Your battery will probably last longer simply because what's happening is that alternator is charging pretty much wide open and you're not really discharging the alternator uh, the not battery. discharging the battery because the alternator is running the car when the rpm of the engine get up to around 2000 then the alternator is turning fast enough to carry the total load of the car the battery is more or less just sitting there and right. it's being charged at the same time now exactly opposite that let's take someone whose car sits a lot maybe it sits for three or four days before they use it they make a short trip. Well, that alternator does not turn very fast. It's probably turning 600 RPM at idle. may get up to 1,000 RPM between right. little bursts of speed going somewhere. And then they turn it off and sits, and they crank it, which discharges the battery. They're going to get much, much shorter battery life. Sure. So, theoretically, that person would need to change his battery more often than the person who's putting a lot of miles. Now, the other side of the coin is the guy who is on the road all the time can less afford to be broke down to be broke down right so it's a like i says a fine balancing act the person who sits at home a lot doesn't use his car much let's say we have two people who are both retired right and they're both in good health and by hand two cars two cars well the lady gets up in the morning to go to the beauty shop for instance hits the key click 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 she walks in the house honey my car won't start okay we'll take mine and i'll look at it mm-hmm. she takes his it's a very minor inconvenience he takes the battery out, changes it himself. Right. Well, that's sort of a different cir- set of circumstances. But let's take the same people and let's say maybe the husband is in poor health. Right. Or the wife or both. Well, now they can much less afford because if they have an emergency at night, have to get somewhere, have to start this car, and again, click, 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 and they only have one car maybe, 
that could be a really, really big thing. Sure. So the situation becomes very complicated, and we're going to talk a lot more about that. Let's catch the phone call. We got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Doing wonderful, Doing great. Sir. Great. Hey, look, I got a question. We just inherited a 17-year-old Nissan Sentra that we want to keep basically out of respect and, and memory of the person. So I, uh, one of the questions is how often would you recommend – it would be our third car, so – how often would you recommend driving it just to keep it in good shape mm-hmm. so, so it doesn't sit there and rot away? Yeah, probably the and first. Then, yep, go ahead. Probably the first thing I would do is put it on a schedule, a rotation schedule between the, the other two cars. Maybe drive it for a week and then drive your other car for a week, depending on how, you know, how far you go. But the worst thing you can do is let it sit. Yeah, especially a car that old. I mean, t- to answer your basic question, it's going to need at least – an hour of driving once a week, and, and I don't mean like 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. I mean an hour of driving at least once a week, which doesn't sound like that much, but usually it's pretty hard when you got three cars. I mean, one thing, Mike, absolutely no disrespect intended, but I'm sort of a disinterested person listening to this, and I understand what you're saying, but that car is really not the person. It's going to be a pretty big inconvenience to you to try to do this. I mean, a, a better plan might be to liquidate the car and then take that money and do something in memory of the person because this is going to be something that's going to be a real inconvenience to you and it's going to get worse as time goes on it's already an elderly car and not being able to drive it nearly as much as it should i think it's going to be kind of a money pit to you i appreciate that perspective and i you know i hear what you're saying Mm -hmm. it just recently happened so we haven't gotten gotten to that point yet well and maybe maybe a little, maybe a little time yellow yeah, time may right. may help that but i see this a lot where people sort of either fall in love with a car or they have a sentimental attachment for whatever reason you got to remember a car is just a machine it doesn't love you it, it doesn't care about you it's just a machine it goes from point a to point b and it's not like a beloved pet or a person where there's a, a value there you know i know right away it, it's hard to do something like that and Initially, I would try to drive it at least an hour every week just okay. to keep it from deteriorating further. But I would strongly look at maybe trying to maybe give it to a charity or, or sell it and take the money and contribute it to a charity in the person's name or whatever. But I think this is going to be an ongoing issue, and it's just going to get harder and harder and harder as time goes on. And I think inevitably you may end up at the same point where you got to get rid of the car. Right. Well, I appreciate that perspective. Can I ask uh, kind of in the same vein? Sure. Uh, a question regarding preventative maintenance, mm-hmm. and it has to do with my other vehicles as well. Right. Because they are all old. I don't like new things. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like a AC compressor, if my AC is working well, but it's a 10-, 12-year-old car, would you ever recommending replacing the AC compressor as part of preventative maintenance before it blows up and ruins the whole system? Well, that's what we were kind of talking about today, Mike, and I was going to get to that. But, you know, AC compressor, to me, as long as it is working, I would not consider that something I would change preemptively unless there was a reason for me to do it. For instance, let's say my condenser fan went out and I didn't realize it and the compressor had been overpressured several times. Well, under those conditions, or if I was starting to get a little noise out of it, I maybe would replace it preemptively. But if it's working perfectly well, number one, you're better off to never open the AC system if you don't have to. Because that system is almost sterile when it's put together at the factory. You're never going to get it quite as good in the field. 
And it's nothing to say the new compressor you get is going to be a whole lot better than the old one. I mean, an AC compressor generally can last the life of the car. Most of the time when they fail, it's not the compressor that fails. Something kills it. You know, you get a leak and someone recharges the system and all pumps out the leak and it runs the compressor out of all and burns up. You get a filter dryer that breaks down and the contaminants get in, block the office tube and starves the compressor for all. Generally, compressors don't fail on their own because... It's a well-designed unit running in oil all the time, and it really doesn't have a lot of strain on it unless something goes wrong. And that's always the first component that fails. Right. The compressor is what's going to fail inevitably. But let's say a condenser fan goes out. Well, now the head pressure goes sky high. Well, it kills the compressor. So I guess I would not recommend, if everything will work and right, what I would recommend instead is a preemptive view of the whole system. Is the condenser nice and clean? Is the system, yeah, are there any leaks? You know, where you can prevent problems with AC is, number one, keep a good belt and a good tensioner on it because a slipping belt will burn up the clutch, which will inevitably burn up the compressor. Keep your condenser nice and clean, which keeps your pressures in line. And any type of leak, jump on it right away and properly repair it. Don't just keep squirting refrigerant in it. If you do that, the compressor can theoretically last the life of the car. Very good. Gentlemen, is it possible I could get one more in? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Thanks. Is it normal for the transmission to slip more when because when the AC is running? It seems like that's the problem I discovered, and I, I can't – I don't know if it's kind of normal. I wouldn't what? think the, the transmission would slip anymore. However, it's not uncommon if you got a slight misfire. People a lot of times kind of assume it's the transmission slipping because the two feel almost exactly alike now. Your engine and I was running at such a low RPM – that when you just tip into it, if you got a slight misfire in the engine or a little stumble, it's going to feel like the car doesn't go, and you give it more gas, and it goes. So it kind of feels like a transmission problem. And certainly the AC puts more load on the engine, so it's going to make that worse. But you'd be amazed, Mike, how many times we're kind of a full-service shop, so we do transmission work, we do engine drivability, we do all that. Cars come in for a transmission problem. My transmission's bad, it's slipping, it's doing that. You drive it and it's not slipping at all. It puts some instrumentation on. You got an engine misfire, or you have something else going on. Another real classic example we see is that people would come in and say, "My transmission is slipping," and what it is the fan clutch is frozen on the car. And when they turn the AC on, the clutch locks up even more, so the engine makes a lot more noise. And all they hear is this thing's making a whole lot of noise. So and it's it not going be, anywhere. Not going anywhere. It must be turning faster. So unless you can very carefully look at the tachometer and look at the speedometer and compare the two, it's hard to determine whether it's slipping or it just sounds like it's slipping. I know another thing we get, uh, catalytic converters will plug up. Right. And what people notice is they're giving it gas and the car's not going. And they insist it's a transmission problem. And you get the car in and you watch your RPM and you watch your mile per hour and transmission's not slipping, do an exhaust back pressure test and you got 15 pounds of back pressure on the exhaust. Replace the converter and, and everything's fine, but... You'd be amazed at how many times transmission problems get misdiagnosed. All transmissions on later model cars, and I'm talking probably 05 on up, are computer controlled. The transmission simply responds to the engine. In other words, it doesn't really have a lot to do with itself. Everything, all its inputs and all taken from the engine. So any kind of engine malady is going to make the transmission do weird stuff. So I always make sure I don't have something else going on. That's the only thing I can think of that the AC would affect. And there's AC is going to load the engine, so you know you just want to make absolutely sure it is a transmission issue. 
Thank you, gentlemen, as always. I love your show. All right, Mike. Thanks for calling, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take our first quick little break. We'll be right back with just a whole lot more on the Automotive Hour. Highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on route. I'm a damn babushka. You can tell if my brand new bow and mirror are a good match. Yes, as I gaze into my crystal ball, I see him over a grill. And now he's on a couch watching football, eating a large plate of meat. Meat? Yes, no veggies. Now I see him on a boat, fishing, and then on a deer stand. Fishing and hunting? Yes, I'm afraid so. Wouldn't it be great if you could look into your car's future to see the road ahead? At Agco, you can. Take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road. Ah, it looks like all this man wants to do is watch sports, hunt, fish, and grill. Oh, Madame Babushka, I love all those things. He sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Huh, c'est la vie. My work here is done. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. There you go. Yes, Charles is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand. We're Mr. Brian Terry. We appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. If you got a question about your car or a comment on the show, you give us a call. 291-6901. We'll get you right straight up to the top of the list. And should you happen to miss your prime opportunity this morning to get your questions answered live, you can always get your questions answered by visiting our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Just Click the button, a little form's going to come up, fill out the form, and send it on in. That's right. could be any easier than that. We never mind that answering email and get you some information. And Also, we take a lot of the email we receive, and we try to use that to gauge people's interest in certain topics. topics on the show, sure. and which sort of we're doing today. And that is the only reason for the email right. that we use. Right. We don't keep Save email no. addresses. We're not going to put you on a spam list or any of that. I hate that, so I don't do it. Our server is set up to where when your email comes in it sends it to me and i can send it back to that email but after that we get rid of it we sure. don't care to keep it or we don't keep it, it we don't sell it we don't yeah. do anything else I'm not it. ever gonna do anything with your email address so don't ever worry about that just that irritates me to death oh i'm telling you you order something from somewhere and then you start getting email from them and then, right. you, then everybody they know and everybody can sell your name to so <laughs> yep i've always wondered do they really think it's effective marketing to aggravate the devil out of potential customers oh i hate it yeah i you know i'll avoid it i'll generally go somewhere else and buy it on purpose just mm-hmm. to not reward that kind of behavior because i just dislike right getting unsolicited email so we don't ever do that we like i said we get rid of we just purge the file out after we've used it to reply to your message that's right. the only time we're ever going to use it i'm not going to send you anything not going to email anything to you or any of that now if you reply to a reply from us you're going to have to type in your email address again go to the Go to another contact page. Correct. You have to go back to the website. You can't just reply to an email because by the same token, if we allowed that, then people would add us to their little address file. So we start getting all kind of email and what have you. And as it is, I probably get 20 to 40 email a day, which is a sizable. You think about it. You got to stop. Think about all this stuff. Come up with an answer. Type it back in. But if we add in the spam, then we got 200 to 300 a day, and there's just, just no way. This is not a full-time job. For right. me. It's not my career. 
I just don't have time to do it. So we have to limit that. So anything that comes in to that no reply at ankleauto.com just gets bounced. Right. It, it doesn't even show up anywhere and it just deletes it. So you have to go back and fill out a fresh form each time. That way it attaches a little algorithm that says, yeah, this is okay. But that's going to expire after you send it to one time. Correct. So it's not going to accept it again the second time. So anyway, that's that's that the way that works. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking just a little bit about things that are maintenance items that aren't normally thought of necessarily as a maintenance item. And Mike brought up a good yes. point when he talked about AC compressor. There are probably situations where I would preemptively change an AC compressor. Mm-hmm. For instance, if I've got a car that's got 180,000 miles, and the clutch goes out in the compressor. Right. Well, I'm going to change the compressor and sure. the clutch. Although, kinda, the, although the clutch is separate. You may be able to buy a, a clutch by itself, but clutch normally costs about two-thirds the price of a compressor with a clutch. Correct. Same labor in most cases to change both of them. And there's probably an exception to this rule as well. Oh, I'm sure. But I may go ahead and just replace the whole thing. Another case would be where, like we mentioned to Mike, the condenser fan goes out and the head pressure has been running extremely high. Right. So we have very high evidence that there may be damage to this compressor. Another would be if the compressor is starting to make a rattle noise or where it has not catastrophically failed, it's still working, that is not going to get better in time. Right. I've heard the bearings go out in them. The mm-hmm. wobble plates sometimes go bad in them. It just depends on what kind of compressor it is. Well, in some cases, you can get by just changing the compressor, the orifice tube, the filter dryer, and be- possibly the condenser. Before you have a catastrophic failure. Before you failure. have a big failure. But after you have the failure, now you're into the expansion valve and all Some the of the different hoses. Stuff, and particularly right. if you have a dual-zone system where you have a front and rear air, it starts to get into the rear system and blah, 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 blah. You end up with a $4,000 repair. That maybe could have been headed off for $1,200 repair if caught earlier. Correct. But as a general rule, a compressor is not thought of as a maintenance, a part. maintenance part that I would just change. Now, another item like that, we kind of talked about the battery. Uh-huh. And, again, depending on your circumstances, I change my battery every three years. Right. In both my cars. Just because I figure a battery costs about $90. Well, it just costs me $30 a year to start my car. Okay. That And if you want my old battery, let me know. You can run by a shop, pick it up. I'll give you my old one if you want to push it out. <laughs> but to me, it's not worth pushing it out to four years. Now my cost is $25 a year. Yeah. For another $5 a year, you yeah. have a breakdown. It's never going to pay yeah, for I it. Yeah, I don't. Because one record bill is going to cost more than that battery cost. Oh, most definitely. Not only that, but batteries tend to leak. Right. They tend to put stress and strain on the starter and the alternator. So my cost figure everything in there is far far higher by pushing this old battery out than it is just by replacing it correct it's a fair i mean a very expensive battery might be 150 dollars on most cars i mean i guess i'm sure somebody's um, gonna say they got some kind of european car worth throwing all battery yeah you just gotta weigh that out on its own merits because that's the exception and not the rule but for the most parts batteries cost less than 100 dollars, and a good battery uh, yeah. some of them as low as maybe 60 70 dollars it's just not worth it to me to try to push it out and get the last little bit out of it. Same thing with me with tires. You know, when my tires get down to two thirty seconds inch of rubber or possibly a little more, I'm going to change them out. I'm of not going to wait until they get treadbare. Not going to wait till the card starts showing, just because I just don't like doing that. I don't want to get caught on a wet road slipping and sliding around with my car because tires aren't adequate to the task. So I see that like a maintenance item. Another thing is my tires get six years old. They're coming off the car. Sure. Because the odds of failure get exponentially higher at six years. After that point. Yeah, the the adhesives and all that hold the plies together start breaking down. They start getting dry, rotten, and rubber. 
you may still have seven, eight, 30 seconds of rubber remaining. And I know that's hard to throw away a tire with a lot of rubber on it, but to me, it's worth it. I just don't, I'm on the road a lot with my car. I get caught in these Louisiana rainstorms a lot of times. I don't want to be slipping and sliding. I don't want to have a blowout. It's just cheaper for me to calculate in, okay, every six years, I need to sell tires. Right. And, and, you know, by the same circumstance, the valve stems. Yeah. The valve stems are rubber. They've been in the in the rim as long as the tire's been on mm-hmm. there. In most cases, I would most definitely change those out right. also. Now, and again, the exception there would be if you got TPMS, you got the metal stems, right. then you could just change the core. Right. And those are generally built to a much higher standard than the old valve stems of the past. They use a urethane seal on the core, and it's all stainless steel. So it's designed to last longer than the old, the old pull-in, rubber. pull-in rubber stems that we had. But there are a number of items like that. Another item that I can think of is like the radiator on the car. Because radiators today are not like the radiators in the past. I mean, in the 1960s, a radiator was made out of copper or brass, and it was soldered together, and it was a big, massive assembly. Right. You had steel or metal tanks right. and a, an aluminum core. Brass or, and, and, and really, all of it was copper and brass for the most case. And those for are, a long time. are very non-reactive metal so corrosion wasn't much of a problem mm-hmm. biggest thing you get some sludge in there or something would plug it up take it to a radiator shop they take tanks off take a rod push it out they clean it, it out sort it back together and you can reuse it mm-hmm. i mean it lasts for years and years and years but all radiators today are made out of plastic tanks with an aluminum core with o-rings holding them together right so there's virtually no repair and these plastic tanks have a life just like that tire is it going to go so far and that tank's going to crack Generally, at the worst possible time. Right. So, to me, a radiator is a consumable item. It's I know it's going to fail. At a certain point. I don't know exactly when it's going to fail, but to me, somewhere around 10 years is about the life. Some of them will go 12 to 13. I really hadn't seen very many of them ever go to 15. Mm-hmm. Very, very few. So, somewhere between 10 and 15 years. And, again, I might not just go in and change the radiator just to do that. But let's say I'm going into the system for some other reason. For instance, I'm changing the coolant anyway. Or maybe I'm changing the AC condenser on the car. And, and the, the radiator's in the way radiator's it has to come out. right, it has to come out anyway. Maybe I'm changing the water pump or the timing chain, which necessitates taking the radiator out. Or at least draining the coolant out. Or draining the coolant at very least. Well, now, under these circumstances, if I've got 10 years on it, I know it's going to fail. It's way easier to do it right now. I would probably go ahead and move that up a little bit. Now, if I didn't have any kind of failure, then what I would do is I would start inspecting that radiator very closely at 10 years. Correct. Maybe two or three times a year. I want somebody, either myself or a professional, to look at it. And at the first sign of a Mm. little crack forming or a little leak or whatever, it's coming out of there. Sure. So that's two ways to address the situation and the thing about those plastic tanks is like you were saying earlier they're not repairable there's right. nothing you can put on them that's no. going to fix a plastic tank everybody that is dry seems to think there's some kind of epoxy or whatever right. the tank is rotten that's why it cracked exactly and you could fix that one little crack it's just, it's gonna just crack a crack again somewhere on the sides else. of it yeah. yeah and when it does it's probably gonna overheat the engine engines don't like overheating at all no because they're already running already running 10 degrees right and old engines like it even less a lot less yeah Yeah, i mean an engine that is six months old could probably take a little bit overheating better than an engine that's 10 12 13 years old sure so i would go ahead and replace it again depending on my circumstances now if i don't get out on the highway with it much i'm in town it's not that big a deal to change it if it breaks 
I've waited a little longer. Different circumstance. Different circumstance. Hey, we'll take our second quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. Gotta run, Paul. I'm heading to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it in once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems early. And they remind me of important upcoming maintenance. Things like oil changes, changing my timing belt, tire wear. Yeah. A general inspection each year would be a great thing for my marriage. Paul, thanks for bringing Marie in for her general inspection. Overall, she's in great shape. I did dial back her shopping system to save you a little money, and her nag button was stuck, so I loosened that up so you can work on your golf game and not those honeydews. As far as preventive maintenance, you've got a big anniversary coming up in April, so put that on your calendar, and I'd suggest flowers for no reason and more compliments. And Agco saved me thousands of dollars. Paul? Paul, are you listening? Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Sounds like I need to take Marie, I mean my car, into Agco for a general inspection. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, if you got a question or a comment, you give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. Be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Talking a little bit about things that are maintenance items, but not really maintenance items, if okay. that makes sense. Things you might want to consider and some at certain of, points. Yeah, some of the circumstances that got to feed into this kind of stuff. Right. And no matter what you say about cars, particularly today, there, there's basically no statement you can make that's going to be universally true. You can say something, it may be true about most cars. But there's going to be one car that's not going to be true. Right. Everything's going to have a unique situation. Everything. And that's just getting more and more and more with all the different designs on the market today. You know, you might say that most transverse mounted engines, the front of the motor is on the right-hand side. <laughs> except the Honda, which is on the left-hand side. Yeah, it just depends on who, you, what manufacturer you're talking just about. Just depends on how they decide to build that car you actually have to go to service data and see how service data has it laid out and then you can start looking for directions and parts and and things like that well yeah and so off we'll get calls or, or questions about people they'll say like okay is number one cylinder on the right, right. or the left <laughs> or the front of the back or the front of the back or is it one two three four five right. six seven eight or one two you know, or odd, cross? even odd cross numbered right. i mean every manufacturer has their own ways of doing things yeah and that's why it's almost impossible for any human being to retain to all remember, this information yeah. i mean i can remember back way back in the day when i was working on cars yeah but they had three yeah three different cars <laughs> and every general motors product that had a v8 which was almost every general motors product one eight four three six five seven two was that, the iron order. that is the same that is the number i remember to this day yeah i mean you memorize that yeah you knew that 0.19 for the point setting Point three five for the plug setting. Well, that is so, so, so many of those nowadays. There's oh, no yeah. way There's no possible way you, can remember all you that. could retain all that. I mean, it made it real nice. You know, the head bolts were 65 foot-pounds. Rod bolts, 35 foot-pounds. I mean, back, 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 back. You knew all that stuff in your head. Right. In fact, we used to say that if you walk into a shop and you saw a technician looking in a manual, you, you were in probably in place. trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, if you walk in a shop, he's not looking at it. You're, you're in trouble. Exactly. <laughs> Because there's just absolutely no way that anybody could retain all of that information. And another big thing about that, it used to be a day when all of that information was basically commonly known or it was readily available right. or free. Exactly. You could go to a parts store and ask them for 
say, a plug gap manual. And they would hand you a little thing by champion spark yeah. plug or AC Delco or whatever. It had all the different cars with all the different gaps and the torque specs and all that stuff. And they'd hand it to you and say, here, have a nice day. Well, not so much anymore. Now, you'll notice if you go to Parcel, they don't have that information. Mm-hmm. That's all on the internet or on CDs or however form it service data comes. And it's all for sale now. Correct. The manufacturers do not make that information available for free like they used to. And it, it's big, big, big money. Sure. I mean, some cars, like General Motors charges us about $5,000 a year to access their data. Correct. That is the color codes of the different wires and the gaps of this and the torque specs of that, and how this system works, how that system works, the strategy of the air conditioning, the strategy of the transmission, how it shifts, all these things. To get that, you have to subscribe, and then they sell it to you. Right. And now, if you want to do any kind of programming, then you got to have another subscription right. to get to the programming part Right, the, of it. the calibrations and all, which they sell you separately. And the thing is, a lot of times people say, well, could you send me that? Well, I'm sorry, I can't because it's copyrighted data. And right. part of the agreement you sign when you give them all this money to use this is that you can't redistribute this information. You are paying for the right to use it mm-hmm. personally in your shop. Some manufacturers even charge by the number of employees that are going to access, access it. it. The bigger the shop, the more you have to pay mm-hmm. or, or the number of people accessing it. So you can't redistribute this information. It's not legal for me right. to do that i mean i can look up something for you and just tell you hey, this in is, some yeah, circumstance right. i can get by with that but i can't copy paste and, paste and send you the procedure for doing da 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 simply because it's copyrighted information exactly and they pretty actively i mean this is a big big source of revenue oh yeah to the manufacturers they probably make as much money on that as they do selling cars anymore <laughs> but yeah they actively pursue that yeah uh, you can't just redistribute this information they just won't allow it. So it's not that I'm being mean or ornery and just don't want to do it, but you just, by law, you can't redistribute all this information. We were talking a little bit about the different items and what's maintenance, what's not. Another one that comes up a lot is like a water pump. Is a water pump a maintenance item? And I'd have to say on most cars, it's probably not, except under the circumstance that maybe you have to get in there anyway. For instance, Let's say we have to remove the timing cover. Right. And the water pump's on top of the timing cover. you got to take it off anyway. i got to take it off anyway. If i got 150,000 miles on it, i got to say, okay, i probably got most of my life out of it. Let's go ahead and change it. But on the other hand, if i got 150,000 miles on it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I'm not having any problem. Probably wouldn't go in and just replace the water pump. Right. Just because, number one, I don't know if the new one I'm going to get is going to be better than the old one I'm taking off. And... It's just, it's a part that may last the life of the car. Now, certainly if I inspect it and there's a little trail trail where it has leaked, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and replace it. Let's say the water pump is driven by the timing belt and I'm replacing the timing belt. Yeah, I'm going to replace it. The labor's there. It's a lot of labor to get to it when it's under the timing cover. So it would be kind of foolhardy not Not to change it. it under those circumstances. Well, and if it leaked under the new timing belt. Then you were back in there doing the whole job again. Or if it seizes up and throws timing belt off, right. which has happened, now we're talking about a new motor. But if it's on the outside... Really like, easy to get to. like Fairly easy truck. to get to, yeah. Then really, I don't see the benefit of changing that. Right. Now, now a water pump is not going to just fail and leave you stranded on the side of the road. Most, most of the time, time not. they're going to start leaking. They're going to show some evidence of failure. Making and, a noise. Right. You just have to be aware of the symptoms and look out for them and kind of inspect. For instance, if I'm going in and 
I'm under the hood anyway. I grab the fan. Let's say we've got a fan-driven water pump, and I move it, and I've got about a quarter inch of slack in it. There's, I know there's slack in that front bearing. Mm-hmm. There may or may not be a noise I can hear. There may or may not be any leakage. Well, but I've got slack in it. That is reason enough, if go, I've got a lot of miles, to go ahead and preemptively change this. Sure. Now, again, just like we said before, every rule is going to have the exception. Let's say this is a farm truck. It sits out on the farm. We drive it maybe a half a mile at a time every yeah. once in a while. And if we don't, it's not a big deal. If right. it breaks down, it's not really a big deal. If it leaks, we can we got access to coolant right there. We can dump some more in it and drive it. Yeah, well, maybe I'm going to wait until it completely fails, completely fails or, or gets much, much close to failing. But now if this is a car that I've got to get in and go all the places I need to go, I've got to go to work in it and all that. Well, now I can't really afford to, to be, push it out to the max. Right. And a lot of items are that way. It just depends on the way you're going to operate the vehicle. One example that we've talked about before Let's say we are servicing an automatic transmission, and we drop the pan, and there's a handful of metal in the bottom of that pan. But this transmission shifts perfectly. Sure. Really no symptoms, no codes being set, but we know that something is generating metal. So we know there is a problem. Now, again, do we go ahead and say, well, let's just rebuild the transmission right now where it'll be convenient? It'll be a lower cost, or do we wait until it catastrophically fails? It depends on your situation. Depends on How your situation. How you're using the vehicle. If, if you're, yeah, if you're getting in it and you're depending on this vehicle to take you to work every day, mm-hmm. or you're getting in it and you're driving cross state in it, yeah, I would say go ahead and it's it's time to have it fixed. But there, on the other hand, if you don't really need this vehicle, right. maybe it's an extra vehicle. Maybe you got or two something. vehicles, three vehicles, right? So you can rely on another vehicle. Then maybe you can wait and start, you know, either save up or just start planning it out in the future right maybe you're just not planning on keeping this car that much longer that too or let's say it's an old vehicle if it dies you're just going to junk it you really don't care so you drive you want to see how far you can go i've got a gentleman right now that we've in this circumstance with him Mm -hmm. and about a year ago he came in we told him you got an ordinate amount of metal in this plant it's going to fail right when's it going to fail i don't know could fail on the way home it may last three more years there's just no way to know for certain. He says, well, you know, this is an old car. It's got other problems. Really, all I want to do is just see how it's convenient for me to have it, but I don't have to have it. I've got another car. Right. So I'm going to see how far I go. Well, it's gone another year. And really, he came in the other day, and I asked him. He says, well, I really still have not had any symptoms out of it. He says, every once in a while, the check engine light comes on. I get a check. It's a transmission code. Right. But it's still shifting okay. It's still doing what I want to do. I said, hey, God bless you, man. Yeah. I'm really happy that you made a year, and hopefully you'll make two more years. Sure. You know, you may. Now, me, it would fail on the way home. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. In that's the middle of the middle section. That's somewhere. the kind of luck I got, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there, so no matter what you say, there's always going to be an exception. You just have to look at your Unique particular situation. situation. The other side of the coin is the guy who depends on this vehicle, and he loves this vehicle. Right. I'm going to fix this vehicle because I like the vehicle. A transmission is twenty five hundred to four thousand dollars, depending on what kind of vehicle I have and all that sort of thing. You know, if it costs me four thousand dollars, I'm going to put that because a new vehicle is sixty thousand, right? And four is less than sixty. I like this one; <laughs> it does what I want. That's kind of the situation that I was in when the transmission went out in my car. Right. It just you know to me it was worth putting a transmission in it. 
I did that. It had 89,000 miles of car. Now I've got 189. The transmission's still in there. And we rebuilt that one in-house because I caught it when it was first starting to fail. It wasn't that bad. So I was able to go ahead and have it built. Well, yeah, Josh built that one. And like I said, it's held up longer than the original one already and still doing fine. Right. So like I said, there are just all sorts of circumstances where you might advise something one way and not advise it the other way. Sure. Let's take our phone call from Jimmy. Good morning, Jimmy. Hey, good morning, Lewis. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I had an 08 Nissan Xterra, mm-hmm. and uh, I bought it used here a few months ago. And it's uh, it, tell you what, I love the little vehicle. It meets all my needs and everything, but but I got one fault with it. Okay. Cold starts to me, it revs up too high. Okay. And I bought it to y'all and had you look at it, uh-huh. and you said it was well within the specs right. and everything. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you remember this. Just I did. A few months. Mm-hmm. Do you? Yeah. My question to you is this: Is this an interference motor? Probably so, but what year is 08? 08. It's probably got a timing chain on that motor. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think it's got three of them. Like oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah. On those, so long as you're changing your oil on a halfway regular basis and you're oh, using the right oil. I do that religiously. Yeah, and that's not filter. something that you're really going to need to worry about. That timing chain is going to last pretty much the life of the car. And normally, if it does start to fail, it's going to give you plenty of warning. It's going to start making noise, rattling, and all that stuff on startup. So that's not something I would generally go in and worry about. You know, it's just right. very, very little chance of that causing a problem. Okay. I, I just get this visual of those timing chains coming, rubbing, uh, rounding the gears off or something. Yeah, uh, and, you know, uh, you got to remember, Jimmy, if you're thinking kind of the way I think a lot, I'm thinking of a 30-year-old vehicle where a timing chain was a 6-inch long right. chain with a plastic gear, and they'd jump time and the teeth would come off and all that kind of crud. But what you got now is totally, totally different. Those chains may be six feet long. They got hydraulic tensioners on them. Some of them have variable cam timing on them. It's a double roller type chain, kind of like a motorcycle chain. They're running in all all the time. I mean, failure rates on timing chains, with a few exceptions. Now, if you had a three point six liter General Motors engine, yeah, I'd be a little worried because that has a, a history of of jumping timing. That yeah, Nissan product, I've really never seen a lot of problems with them. And most of the ones we do, they come in rattling, you know, and then you can change change for the rattle. But I've really not right. seen a lot of them fail. Well, that, that kind of answers my question. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on putting the four-sale sign on it then for yeah. a while. Yeah, I think it would be good. <laughs> and you I know, love the little truck. It meets all my needs, and the price was right on it. I'm oh, getting yeah. good gas mileage on it. I love it. Yep, just, and just, you know that, that idle time. issue, the problem with the idle on all your newer vehicles, the computer controls the idle. Right. And it's going to set it where it wants. There's nothing you can do to change it. There's nothing. It just sets it where it wants it. And when they start to get a little older, sometimes they will idle a little higher for a while. It's just part of the strategy. I mean, I wouldn't worry about that at all. All right. All right. Thank you. That's my question. Appreciate oh, okay, it. Okay, Jim. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901. If you got a question or a comment, you give us a call. They try to help you out. If you got an opinion on anything we've said. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got a guy who says, well, I don't know well, why you call in. Yeah. <laughs> we'll discuss it. There yeah. you go. That's funny. I've got a, um, an old friend of mine. In fact, we worked together at one time many, many, many years ago. And he owns a shop, and I own a shop. And we both have a lot of respect for each other's opinion. He called me on sometimes. I never heard of that. I said, "Well, it's probably a lot of things you never heard of." <laughs> yeah. Well, and we're good enough friends where we can we can kind of bicker back and forth. Well, I just don't. I said, "Well, I said before you make a bigger fool of yourself, why don't you go and do some research on this and call me back?" <laughs> so he called. He said, "You're right." <laughs> I said, "Well, you mad enough to admit it." <laughs> but a lot of times, I know things that if you make the comment to me, I'm, I'm gonna say, "Whoa, wait!" But I'm thinking old school, right? Because that's where majority of my experience is. But sometimes I just got to keep my mouth shut and say, well, let me look into that. (laughs) 
and come things, find out. Yeah, things are things are quite different than they used to be. Well, absolutely, and it's just hardly any statement that anybody can make that you can't find something. Oh, of course. Some example of it that's going to probably prove it. So you got to remember the majority of the information we try to give out is going to fit the majority of cars. Right. You know, when we say do this, 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 that is the majority of cars on the market. Now, if you're driving an electric car, then some of these things may not apply. Exactly. But, and no offense to anyone who drives an electric car, that's their choice. That's great. But that represents such a tiny, tiny, tiny part of the overall market. Right. That right you, now. Right now. It may it may change in the future. It may not. Depends on what well, price of gas does and a million other factors. I can tell you, I spoke with GM the mm-hmm. other night, mm-hmm. and he said by 2022, mm-hmm. General Motors is coming out with 21 electric well, vehicle, electric transportation. Some of them are in motorcycles. Some of them are in automobiles. Mm-hmm. Some of them are even in bicycles. Well, so, and again, that's right now what yeah. they're projecting forward. But you things never know. change. You know, they go bankrupt again. All that goes yeah. to the back shelf. <laughs> the price of gas stays low like it is now. No it's need. just really not practical because it's a lot more complexity. It's a lot of other problems that come in with it. I was got an email from a gentleman earlier, and he, he says he drives a Chevy Volt. Okay. And he has not been able to find anyone who could service it other than the dealership. Right. He really doesn't like dealership service. And like I told him, I said, unless you live in a very large metropolitan area where those cars where are someone real. has specialized in that car, most independent shops are not going to be able to afford to tool up to work on that car because it represents such a very small part of the market. Correct. Like we mentioned earlier, service data may cost four or $5,000. A scan tool may be another five ten thousand dollars per year the training the tooling all these things go into the cost got to go into the cost and you have to divide that by how many of these cars you're likely to service this year even like at agco we don't service european cars and people why not because i can't afford to service them there's just not enough of them on the road in baton rouge there are specialty shops that do service them we have to make a choice how many cars we're going to service. Right. Because you would spend more money on tooling and equipment than you could make. So, hey, we're going to take another quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. Kate, we can shop tomorrow. I'm off to AGCO for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at AGCO can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I I mean vehicle. Uh, Improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Something on your mind, just give us a call, 291-6901. And, again, just kind of winding up on all these different things, sort of like Jimmy mentioned, timing chains. There are probably some cars that you might want to consider a timing chain on. 
for instance, the 3.6 liter GM engine has had right. a lot of trouble with timing change. I don't know if they've got that fixed in the subsequent models. Some of the early models had a lot of trouble. If I had that car and it was giving me any symptoms, if the cam timing was off at all, if I were getting a rattling noise, if I had a 5.4 liter three valve Ford engine and I'm getting a rattle on startup. Right. Again, but even on that engine, in our experience, that's an engine that's good for 100 to 150,000 miles. And then the problems are so great on them. I mean, they're bad about turning rod bearings. They're bad right. about a lot of other stuff. Timing change on that engine is a pretty big deal. Sure. So you might want to just consider, if you just love the truck, just replacing the whole engine. Because it's, it's going to cost you probably better than half the price of an engine replacement to change timing change on this thing. Because and either the engine's going to need to come out of the car or whatever. And a new engine's going to be have a chain already on it right already. come with the new chains and all that sort of thing so now those particular ford engines seem to be pretty expensive ford charges a premium price for that engine right and that ends up totaling a lot of those vehicles and use they're extremely difficult to find if you can find them at all because they've had a high failure rate on them there's very few in the junkyards and the ones that are in the junkyards are usually gone as soon as they hit the yard sure. so it's hard to find a used motor particularly one without a lot of miles if they've got lower miles, because let's say the F one fifty is such a popular truck, people tend to fix them. They don't right. they don't scrap them. They fix them. Kind of like a Chevy pickup. It's such a popular truck that unless this thing is absolutely murdered, I mean it's been set on fire, rolled down a hill, and flipped over fifteen times, people tend to fix them. Sure. And they're fairly straightforward and easy to repair. So repair is normally feasible. So you see very few Chevy pickups or F-150s in the salvage yards unless they got a gajillion miles on them. Now, if you're looking for a motor in a salvage yard, you don't want one that's got a gajillion miles on it because it's probably going to be in worse shape than the one you've got. So that brings those points up. And again, sometimes it is just cheaper to replace the whole engine and the thing. Now, talking about things you would change, I would not normally replace engine mounts on a car unless they're catastrophically failed. Right. If they're just a little weak, Maybe I get a little vibration at idle. The cost of motor mounts is generally pretty high, pretty significant. And the labor to change them is... is Can be very high. I'm not normally going to recommend changing motor mounts for those reasons. Now, let's say we've got to take the motor out of the car anyway. Well, yeah. They're right there. Kind of a no-brainer. I've got the mounts right there. You know, Honda products seem to have more trouble with motor mounts than a lot of cars do. They do. Particularly like the Odysseys and stuff. Uh, They tend tend to eat motor mounts. And for the most part, the front mount will break on it, and you'll start to get a clunk. When you take off and let off, the accelerate let off, you get a clunk. Right. Because that motor rocks forward and all. That mount is about 250 bucks. A couple Takes hours a couple later hour, to change right. it. So if the only symptom I have is that clunk noise, and it's not hurting anything else, I'm probably going to defray that. Now, let's say the transmission goes out. I love the vehicle. I'm going to put a transmission in it. Well, now I'm going to change that mount because i got to take the mount out to get the transmission out. Sure. So it's kind of silly to put a broken mount back under those circumstances. So even though maybe it adds $250 to the price of the job, it saves that two and a half hours labor coming back, changing that mount later, later on. So that's where it kind of makes sense to do it under one circumstance and, and not, not under another. Yep. Now, let's just say you are an incredibly picky person. You just don't like that noise or you don't like a vibration at idle. Well, then we change. Then it. we're going to change the mount. I've got customers who have come in. They said, "No, I don't like that. I want to change." Mm-hmm. Okay, no problem. We can change it. In fact, there's three other mounts on there. They all have the same mileage on it. You might want to consider changing all four mounts. Sure, because they do all work together. 
This one's been driving around. One of them broke, and the other three have been stressed even more. Really and truly, all the mounts work together. So if I put one new mount with three old mounts, it's going to stress that mount more. If you're really picky, you might want to change all four mounts. The labor, there is some shared labor between it. Very, some, on some vehicles. On some vehicles. So, again, it just depends on the person and their particular uh, circumstance. Same thing with brakes. I normally don't like to change just two brakes on the car. I don't like to just change the front brakes mm-hmm. when the rears are nearly worn out because right. the front's going to try to do all the stopping. It's going to overwork them, and then you end up with problems. So if the rears are still got three-quarters of the brakes left, yeah, I'm going to put front brakes on there. But if, let's say, you got two millimeters left on the front and three on the rear, well, you might as well go ahead and do them you all. You might as well do all of them unless your money is really tight and you can come back in a few months and do the rear. Right. It's better to just do them all at one time. There's some shared labor, and it's going to make for just a better job. Oh, yeah, a much better job. So, I see we're just about out of time. Start winding on up and getting on out of here. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast service, and find a written review and fill it out for us. There you go. Fill out that written review, and that's going to move us up closer. When people type in auto repair, we're going to come up close to the top of the list so more people click on us. More people click on us, more popular the show is. More, there, we, there you go. Love us <laughs> there you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.